0: The Tudor History and Travel Show is a podcast that brings Tudor history to life by exploring Tudor places and artefacts in the flesh – You will be travelling through time with Sarah Morris, the Tudor travel guide, uncovering the stories behind some of the most amazing Tudor locations and objects in the UK. Because when you visit a Tudor building, it is only time and not space which separates you from the past. And now over to your host, Sarah Morris. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this month's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show with me, Sarah, the Tudor Travel Guide. I will be your host as ever for this episode. Well, we are fast in the run up to Christmas and the festive season. But in this particular episode, I'm going to be rewinding the clock back to the autumn when I took a visit to Blenheim Palace which is in Oxfordshire. Now Blenheim Palace today is a world heritage site. It is a site of a marvellous Baroque palace which was built in the 18th century by John First Duke of Marlborough. Uh, The land was a gift to him by the last Stuart Queen, Queen Anne, in recognition for his military service and, in particular, as you will hear in this recording, his defeat of the French at the Battle of Blenheim. Now, the site of the new Baroque Palace was built in what had been a royal, medieval and Tudor hunting park, which we perhaps, as Tudor fans, better know as the Royal Palace of Woodstock. Now, I wanted to go along to Blenheim not to focus on the Baroque Palace, but to find out all about the history of this most ancient of royal manors, for it is indeed steeped in Tudor history, much visited by Tudor royals on progress, particularly during the early Tudor period. And of course, again, as you will hear in this recording the site of the imprisonment of Princess Elizabeth prior to her accession to the throne in 1558. So on a slightly damp and misty day at the end of September I travelled to Blenheim Palace to meet up with our guide for the day Antonia and we were there to find out all about the ancient history of the park and the palace and to find out also specifically about the Royal Palace of Woodstock. What was it like? What did it look like? What was its history? And why is it no longer there today? One thing to note, my friends, before we dive deep into this podcast, is that having been on location at Woodstock, my curiosity was well and truly piqued by my conversation with Antonia. And this inspired me to go away and research and write my own blog about the Royal Manor of Woodstock. It gave me a chance to really go deep into the history of the Royal Manor and particularly how it appeared during the Tudor period. And in fact, when I did a little bit more research about the time spent at Woodstock by the Princess Elizabeth, well, I got a surprise because one of the main myths about her stay there that she in fact was lodged in the gatehouse, well, that turned out not to be entirely the case. And I love such surprises. So once you've listened to this podcast, then I recommend that you click on the link below that will take you straight on over, the blo- over to the blog where you can find out more. All right, my friends, so let's get right on with the podcast. Hello, Antonia. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. So before we get into our tour of of Blenheim and and then talking about the old Palace of Woodstock today, I know that there are going to be people listening who are going to want to know, what do you do at Blenheim? What's your job? And can we all be envious of that?
1: I think you can, actually, (laughs) and with good reason. Um, My title is um, Social History Researcher. which doesn't really tell you what I do, but I, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. One of one of the things I do is to uh, try to find and speak to and interview people who have a past connection with Blenheim, so staff, family, etc., so that we can build up a, an archive, um, a, a living history, as it were, w- which is great. I'm also very much involved with um, exhibitions and, and researching and helping to acquire things for that and just about anything else that comes up really and and this past year in particular has been really interesting we've now developed a virtual presence and a YouTube channel and I've been involved in interviewing and and um, helping with all that as well so it's fantastic so you should be very jealous yes
0: I think (laughs) we probably all are particularly if people could see where we are meeting so Blenheim Palace of course is one of the grandest palaces in England but it's a Baroque palace is it that is, right? and
1: it's the only non-royal palace in the country uh-huh. um, so, or non-ecclesiastical because of course you have Lambeth Palace etc um, and it was the the land and the money to build the palace was given to John Churchill the first Duke of Marlborough um, to reward him for his his military prowess, and uh, particularly his defeat of the French at the Battle of Lenham in 1704, um, so he was given this. It was a, a, a royal park, and in fact, you know, m- my main interest obviously lies in 1704 onwards, um, but. <laughs> You know, it was it was a royal hunting lodge and a royal park long, long before that.
0: Indeed, I'm going to drag you back yes, in history, yes, aren't I, Antonio? Yes, you are reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I mean, if visitors come to Blenheim today, they will come through one of the main gates and be met with this splendid uh, Baroque palace. Yes. But we're not starting our journey there today. In fact, we've come right away across the other side we of the have, palace. We have. And we are in part of the ancient woodland. It's a very peaceful place. People may hear some sounds of modernity, the odd aeroplane going by. But generally, it's a very, very peaceful, out-of-the-way spot. So why did you want us to start our tour here?
1: Right. I wanted you to start here because, um, as you quite rightly say, people... Come to this particular site because of Blenheim Palace, but there was so much here before as well. So we're actually standing in the area where the original ancient forest, Witchwood Forest, um, was to be found. And this This area has some of our ancient oaks, and we have one oak that's over a thousand years old. That's just mind-blowing. It It, is. It's a
0: thousand years old. It might be useful just to say for people listening, kind of where is and where was the Witchwood Forest, you know, geographically speaking? Okay, I'm renowned for being really bad at geography, (laughs)
1: but I can tell you we're we're just about an hour um, away from London, so kind of north... Westish, slightly. Um, we're about ten miles from Oxford, um, which is a, a kind of better pinpoint for me, as it yes. were. Um, and we're we're actually part of the little market town of Woodstock. And again, Woodstock, the town itself goes back, you know, thousands of years. It's
0: it's just such a, an amazing place to be, really. So yes, we're in the heart of the glorious county of Oxfordshire, and I say that because. I live in it yes. <laughs> so I'm a little bit biased but you know you mentioned Witchwood Forest and today I, I, I'm no expert on Witchwood Forest but what I do know is in the day back in the day in the medieval period it was an enormous forest wasn't it? It was indeed and in fact the, the park um, is just
1: over 2,000 acres um, and you know, that gives you an idea of, of the size of it. And in fact, it was enclosed in the early 12th century and it was the very first um, park to be enclosed. So we have a, a perimeter walls that, again, depending on, on where you see this, it, it's between seven, nine, ten miles long. All right. But, it, but, you know, it's, it's incredible. It's <laughs> well, and it was enclosed. It was used as a hunting ground, so it was a deer park, and it was a royal hunting ground. So you had Henry I, Henry II, subsequent kings and queens would come and, and hunt. And it was like a larder, in fact, for the royal family. Yes. And um, we don't have um, official deer here today. Uh, the gardener likes to keep them out, <laughs> if possible. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was just an amazing place, and, and ice houses and fish ponds and
0: and we know that medieval and tudor kings they would go where there was great hunting and pastime to be had so absolutely. it's no surprise then that this place became a very popular um palace didn't it with medieval and then subsequently with tudor royalty
1: yes and and um there was uh, you you say a palace and again it's referred to as Woodstock Manor Woodstock Castle Woodstock Palace so distant, way before Blenheim Palace um, emerged um, and that's some way away from where we're standing now and we'll we'll go and look at where it was a little bit later but it was kind of added to I, I it's it was a great big sprawling place um, and it, it you know different monarchs added different wings to it etc and that was where it, it, they the, they would be housed in that particular building.
0: And as you say, we are going to come back to that. we are and going, we're going to, come to go back to the indeed. site of the palace yeah. and talk a little more about it. So why don't we go for a walk? Because as we were saying, we're on the far side of the park. We're surrounded by, you know, ancient indigenous. Uh, trees yes. that you would have found in an English forest absolutely. and still find in English forests.
1: absolutely. so mainly oaks in this area that you know come right back to the um, the medieval times. and we've been doing a certain amount of, of work here to encourage um, biodiversity. You can hear the birds singing. Um, It's delightful. (laughs) It is really, really lovely. And we've actually cleared this view now so that you can see right down to um, the palace itself. So... um,
0: can it's, I just describe that for a moment? Yes, because of course. I have, I have been in this part of the, uh, of the park before, and when we came round the corner, and suddenly we have a tract of trees that have been opened up, and as you say, in the distance, we get a view of part of the park, I was thinking, I haven't seen that before, and, no. and that's because it's new. But it,
1: it well, it's, it's not new, it's restored, ah. because we're, we're standing with our back to a house that was built by Capability Brown, it's called High Lodge. Ah. And it stands um, on the, the ground of the original High Lodge, which was here when the first Duke and Duchess of Marlborough were keeping an eye on the building of the palace.
0: Oh, is that where they live? Yes. So, well, it's How interesting. One they,
1: of the many places what they is, live. I'm
0: sure they had more than one, yeah. So
1: they were housed in the original High Lodge. And look, you can see exactly what's going on and I can imagine Sarah you know keeping her beady eye on the workman and and, Sarah was the
0: first duchess wasn't she She yes I mean that's one way to keep an eye on the workman isn't it definitely I mean the distance though between the two what would be maybe a mile Maybe. Probably a
1: bit more than a mile, to be honest. Yeah,
0: so, so it really is. We are talking quite a, yeah. quite a perspective. So not close enough to be bothered by the banging no, and the no, hammering no, and the no. soaring, but enough just to keep an eye and watch your palace rise exactly. up from the ground. Marvellous. So, Antonia, you're talking about the fact that you are putting some focus on biodiversity, and I can see a board in front of me that talks about High Park biodiversity. Why is that important here? What is that, you know, why are you putting so much attention into that?
1: It, it's tremendously important because we, we are an area of um, special scientific interest. Um, and so we're we're trying to you know, to maintain the environment and for, for future generations as well. And in fact, it, it's really interesting. We, we've recently found colonies of wild bees in the ancient oaks. Oh, you know, and they're, they're bees that we thought, you know, we thought perhaps we'd find one nest, but there are about 40 or 50 of them. How wonderful. And it, it's tremendous, you know, so there's so much here. And it's rather nice that we're taking the time now to to work with that and to work with our, our surroundings. Yes, absolutely.
0: So nice? do you know how
1: many ancient oaks you've got in there? Do you know, I think we've got over 900. Over 900.
0: Yeah. Because as, a, as I walk along, folks, I can see some extremely old trees. They're yeah. gnarled. Um, They're very chunky, huge trunks. Some of them are obviously coming towards the end of their life and crumbling away, but there's a rather magnificent specimen just overlooking this lovely lake next to High Lodge. I think they say that
1: an oak um, grows for 300 years. It's kind of stable for 300 years, and then it takes 300 years to die.
0: I've heard similar, Mm. yes, so that would be... Nine year time
1: frame and again you'll notice that the oaks some of them literally crumble overnight they're they're so old um and we do tend to leave them in situ if we can because then of course they become a habitat for all sorts of insects and great for your biodiversity absolutely Absolutely. so we wouldn't just clear it away and you know chop it up for firewood or or anything Mm. uh, like that but they're very, they remind me of Arthur Rackham illustrations.
0: Oh, what's The, the
1: trees. They're you know, kind of really oh. creepy and, and <laughs> almost human.
0: Lovely. Oh, it's nice to be out here, it's so peaceful. Yeah, um, we've just been on our buggy ride and we've come back into the heart of the park very close to the palace so in fact if I could just describe the scene, I've got the lake or part of the lake stretching away in front of me Surrounded on all sides by trees, and then of course, over to my left, there up on a plateau of land, we can see the palace and the great bridge Absolutely. that connects the palace to the park. But why have you brought me down here?
1: Ah, because um, I really wanted to show you um, something that we call Rosamond's Well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back to those uh, to the 12th century, uh, Rosamond Clifford was a, a very, very special friend of Henry II, and he built her. A bower, a sort of labyrinth, and um, that sounds very romantic but and mysterious. It and it's it, you know they used to have secret trysts here, and uh, unfortunately, um, the story goes that his wife, um, Eleanor, saw a silken thread that had had caught on the outskirts of the bower, and she followed it in to find Rosamond Clifford, Fair Rosamond, as she was known and uh, she gave her the opportunity to select her method of death. Oh my goodness! Uh, And I think it was something like, you know, poison, um, dagger, being roasted alive but in fact I think she did end up in the nunnery at Wolvercote which yeah. is just on the outskirts of Oxford so it wasn't quite as bad as it might have been. No
0: so I can imagine there was a fair altercation between the two of them and a oh, few yes. choice words were said but in the end she was banished to yes. a nunnery we I think. Believe, I believe so. I don't suppose Henry II was very pleased about that but no. Ele- Eleanor was a formidable woman wasn't yeah. she? Oh, yes she was absolutely, <laughs>
1: absolutely so it, it is rather lovely and um, nothing remains of the labyrinth but we still do have the spring and mm-hmm. it's very very pure water and it never dries and the ninth duke who was the great grandfather of our present duke had the water piped up to fill the basins in the water terraces when he developed them about ah, 100 years ago I see. so they still form quite an important part of the landscape here at Blenheim and part of the the everyday life at Blenheim really. And you
0: can buy Blenheim spring water right? Yeah,
1: but not, it's, that's from a borehole up at Park Farm ah, um, so it's not Rosamond's well not, water. Not, we're no. not
0: drinking from Rosamond's well, that's you're not. Shame. But
1: it is very special water it's very
0: bad. good, yes. very good water. <laughs> it is indeed, it is indeed. What, I mean everywhere you go in this park there are just some fabulous trees. There
1: are, what there are this? these lovely beaches.
0: With their sort of really raised, gnarly roots. They just look like they're going to step up and start walking.
1: And Capability Brown planted a, a belt of beech trees around the perimeter of the park... Um, so that the fourth duke thought he was all alone in the world, and wherever he looked, he there could was... only see Blenheim.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, you would, wouldn't you, if you yeah. had that kind of money and land? I guess absolutely. So here we are at the well. This is yep. Rosamond's well. You may may be able to hear, dear listeners, just the little tinkling of the water in the background that's coming out of the ground and falling into this pool in front of us. I've never, I was just going to say, I bet this place looks amazing in autumn and the trees are just turning yeah. now. We're, we're recording this at the end of September and you can just see the first flush of golds, but there are so many trees encircling the lake that the colours must be astonishing. Oh, it
1: is. And to be honest, whatever time of year you come, the landscape looks amazing. And But you're right, this time of year, the, the Virginia creep has just started to turn uh, just outside the palace there. Mm. And we've got lots of copper beaches and, and they look really splendid at the moment. And then, you know, you've got all these other trees that are just beginning to go gold.
0: Perfect for a beautiful, crisp autumnal day with blue sky and all the all the, yeah. all the different shades. Yeah, of a lovely the leaves. walk, marvellous. So as I stand here, looking across the lake with the palace in the background, and then this grand bridge that connects the palace across the main drive, going up to the column of the, uh, the this monument, I believe, to the first duke. We have these enormous lakes. Um, in the centre of the parkland but this isn't how the landscape always looked here was no. it
1: no not at all it would have been very very different um a thousand years ago um and in fact the, you're right the lake wasn't here capability brown created the lake in the late 1700s um the bridge wasn't here and all you had running through here was a, a little skinny river the, the river glime and it had huge great big um, banks on either side of it, very steep banks, and it—it it was nothing. You know, it mm. really was a nothingness.
0: So it was—it was, a, it was um, very much a, a meandering valley with the raised plateau of land where the original palace once stood so it would yes. have had some lovely views i imagine across over the valley over the little stream and, and i guess towards the village of woodstock yes. as
1: well and it, in fact it's quite interesting because when visitors come today um the landscape looks natural but it's man-made it's completely man-made um but it, you know obviously over the last 200 plus years it it is natural, I suppose, now. Yes, yes. Um, but the bridge itself um, was designed by John Vanbrugh, just like the palace, and work on it started at much the same time. And um, unfortunately, the fate of Woodstock Palace or Woodstock Manor contributed to the building of the bridge but Mm. I'll tell you about that in a moment. I think
0: what we need to do is maybe meander over to the site of the original palace and pick up the story of the medieval Tudor Palace here at Woodstock. we've we 've kind of come up from the valley from rosamond 's well back onto the main drive and the palace is away over to our right there yeah we 're not interested in the Baroque palace right nope, now nope. <laughs> we are going now people who listen to me will know that I love earthworks in a field and just imagining lost buildings it, it, I, nothing gives me more pleasure so I'm delighted to be here on this plateau of land because we are now walking upon the site of the old Palace of Woodstock.
1: We are indeed, we are.
0: Gives me chills.
1: But sadly, all that remains... Well, nothing remains of it, but we have a stone plinth to mark um, the spot where it stood. And um, its main claim to fame, in my mind... Uh, apart from the fact that it used to house a a menagerie which contained lions, lynxes, ostriches and the odd porcupine, is the fact that Elizabeth I was imprisoned here by her sister from 1554 until 1555, so nearly an entire year. So she had been imprisoned in the Tower of London by her sister Mary, so she was Princess Elizabeth at the time. And... um, she was released but sent to Woodstock. You know, it must have been, a, she was in a, her early 20s and it must have been a terrifying time. You know, a time when people were executed at the drop of a hat and she was um, associated with a plot to overturn her
0: sister. Um, and of which she was innocent. Of course, and she would have known exactly what had happened to her mother. Yes. But maybe before we touch, go back and touch on that, I'm just interested about what we can say about the either early history of the palace here, mm. because it was here long before the Tudors even.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and again, we're going back to medieval times because um, it was it was built to accommodate the royal hunting parties that visited here. Mm. You know, so it it gradually built up and built up. During the Civil War, the Royalists were, soldiers were garrisoned here, and then eventually the parliamentarians were. So, you know, the things that that place would have seen. And um, it's no wonder that Banborough wanted to keep it. But, unfortunately, he clashed with Sarah Churchill, the first Duchess, who didn't want to keep it.
0: OK, well, let's hold on to that story just for a moment. Oh, just gives me the shivers thinking about the loss of such an amazing place. Yeah. So, as you said, this place was, was to house the Royal Court, yes. which, at its maximum, could be around a 1,000 people. Yeah, yeah. And, um, as folk will know who are listening to this, um, having written quite a lot about royal palaces... I know that there were only only six palaces in England at the time that were capable of housing the whole royal court of around a 1,000. So this must have been a really big palace. What do we know of its appearance or or how it was laid out?
1: It um, it had three chapels, I believe, and it had three lockable doors. So that that was a challenge when you had a prisoner inside. Um, It had various turrets, mullioned windows, etc., you know, it it would have been just magnificent in its... But sprawling is the sprawling. word that always kind of pops up when you when you look into it.
0: I, I certainly think looking at the pictures, and there are still a few extant pictures of what the old palace looks like, and, and folks listening into this, I'll be, as usual, including a show notes uh, page in association with this podcast. So you'll be able to see some pictures of all the things that we've been talking about today. But I think... Um, yeah one of the things that strike me when you look at what what images we do have it's very higgledy piggledy yes, it it's is. I although it was a double courtyard house and a bit that means you know it was a big palace as you said there yeah. were you know three chapels it was a huge um outer courtyard um, I think even Henry VII invested quite a lot of money, actually, in improving yeah. um, the state of Woodstock Palace. I think it had tennis courts, you know, along with the usual royal. It would lodgings. have been real
1: tennis. Real in those tennis days. in those days. Yeah. So
0: it had all the attributes of a major royal palace. So I, you know, I know from my research of the old palace that um, it was a much beloved. Tudor Palace, particularly in the early Tudor period. Mm -hmm. Henry VII invested heavily and Henry VIII visited regularly, certainly was here with Amber four times that we know of. Um, But of course, even by... When Elizabeth was here as prisoner, came here as prisoner the place was already falling into some disrepair and decay. It, it was
1: indeed. And again, if you think about our, our location and the situation, it was near this, this river, it was kind of damp and dank. And so if it wasn't maintained, then it, it takes no time at all for a building to start to, yeah. to decay. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then it continued to... Decay and to um, to perish, really. But it, it, it's interesting. I, I'm just struck by the the contrast between this sprawling building that was here originally. And just looking across the lake now at Blenheim, which is completely symmetrical and hasn't been added to over the years. You know, it's, it's, it's never struck me
0: before. It's the total antithesis, isn't it, in architectural yes, styles it is and fashions? Completely. And... I think we probably should pick up on what happened because you mentioned that it was a garrison for the Royalist Army and I think that caused it to come a bit of a cropper didn't it during the Civil War and there was th- that, did that accelerate its decline because often, often places yeah. that had been used by Royalists were were targeted by the parliamentarian forces.
1: Well, the royalist um, garrisons were then succeeded by the parliamentarians. So you can imagine, um, you know, I think as the royalists left, they would have tried to make it as uncomfortable as possible, you know, for anyone that followed Mm. on. So that that was a shaky period. Um, And it, it, it then was uninhabited and continued to fall into decay.
0: It always amazes me how quickly palaces fall into decay. Yes. It's not... Woodstock's not the only example of that. Greenwich would be a great example. You've got this amazing, magnificent palace that was adored by, you know, the Tudor dynasty, and yet within short order of it being abandoned, it was falling into disrepair. So, so nothing yeah. unusual going on here in that regard. No. And nature takes a, a grip very quickly, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes, it's, it does. it's amazing, really. Now. You talked before, of course, about this turning point for the history of this this place, this parkland, at the beginning of the 18th century, with the first Duke of Marlborough, he came along, he built this astonishing palace that we can see in front of us, and you mentioned the role of Sarah... First Duchess of Marlborough,
1: she she was a very feisty woman. Was she indeed? Yes, she was, and she had a. I mean, she she was she was incredible, really, way ahead of her time, Um, and she was very useful to her her husband because when he was away on campaign, she could keep an eye on what was going on with the building, and it wasn't without, you know, event or disaster or whatever. Um, But she famously used to fall out with people left, right and centre and she fell out with John Vambra, the architect and one of the reasons was that Vanbrugh wanted to maintain and to conserve Woodstock Manor um, as a romantic folly and Sarah was having none of this but Vanbrugh thought he knew better so he, he kind of had it done up because he thought he could stay there and keep an eye on the works mm. now Sarah got wind of this and she turned up unannounced, and asked the housekeeper to be shown round, as one did in those days. And the housekeeper didn't realise who it was and showed her round and said, oh, you know, we've had this improved and the roof's been mended and whatever. And Sarah was absolutely furious and ordered that it be raised to the ground.
0: So I guess it was her money, or the Duke's money, I presume. Exactly. And, and,
1: you know, that that's how it finally met its demise.
0: Oh my goodness me! It makes my heart bleed. It, well,
1: and... and I mentioned the bridge. Now when they started working on the bridge, they used some of the rubble from the manor for its foundations and we've recently carried out some work on the bridge and have found these medieval
0: stones. Um,
1: So so, so it's here in spirit. So
0: it is here in spirit. If you come to the Parkland you can gaze upon the bridge Uh, And the sun has just come out, by the way. It was very sort of foggy, misty morning. But the sun has just come out as we've been talking about the palace, which is rather nice. And you can imagine, yes, there's the remnants of the palace kind of in the interior of the bridge. But actually, that's a really good point, because I meant to ask, has any excavation ever been done here? Have any actual artefacts from the palace been found? From
1: the original? From the original um, palace. (sighs) not to my knowledge but that's not to say that it hasn't happened um and and again one of the things that we're we're planning to do next year which may throw up something um we're going to dredge the lake and you know people are very we have archaeologists on standby and they will be watching to see what comes up so it could be that we find something because of course the area uh, the lake is very very close to this plinth um you know it it could well you know be on the site of I the original so. house I but hope a big chunk
0: of terracotta or some kind of I don't know some kind of carved stonework with the initials of Henry VII on it or yeah. something like that
1: but you know um, what would be amazing would be to find the carving that Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth did saying oh, yes. um, you know about being imprisoned and, yes the
0: famous carving now yes. let's talk about that because as you say Elizabeth was brought here as a prisoner she was here for around about a year Tell me about the carving, because this is quite famous, isn't it? It is,
1: it is indeed. Um, And she, you know, she was given writing materials and whatever, but apparently she scratched the words on a window. So I'm assuming she used a diamond. One imagines so. As one does. And she said, much suspected of me, nothing proved can be. quoth Elizabeth, prisoner.
0: And there is something else actually about Elizabeth's time here because you know I've, I, I lived, I've lived not far from Woodstock for quite a long time, so I've been aware of its history now while Elizabeth was here, she was not the only person to come to Woodstock because some of her supporters came to Woodstock yeah yes. so
1: she, she had a, a retinue and in fact um, some of them were housed in what became the national Westminster bank um, a, on the, the market square. So yes, she would have, and she had to pay for them all. She had to support them all. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't, I think imprisonment in those days was a very different concept to, to what
0: we imagine today, yes, and more like house arrest, yes, where maybe her so. correspondence was was monitored, but because um, I certainly read that Cecil William Cecil, of course, became her principal secretary once Elizabeth became queen, was also lodged at Woodstock at least for a certain period yeah. of time, so its kind of thought that was a lovely thing to think that even though she was here. As prisoner under house arrest, she had people who had I mean, cared for her yeah, very much, not so. far away. Very
1: much so, and I think some of them. Um, I think uh, Bledington was her prisoner, her jailer, um, and they ran him a, a merry dance, I think, whenever <laughs> they could. And she had, you know, she had books sent in. They, they were all censored, you know, so lots of them were sent back. Um, and she did have certain freedoms for want of a better word but as I say I don't think imprisonment in that sort of respect was anything like we imagine it today and Mm. and the Duke of Marlborough, the first Duke was imprisoned in the Tower at a certain point as well and as you say it's it's like house arrest Mm. in that, I mean Mm. not for Anne Boleyn obviously, that went horribly wrong
0: Indeed, (laughs) however even Anne Boleyn was imprisoned in the Royal Apartments so yeah um, not cast into some dark cell into a dungeon she was even afraid would happen but that's not the case so yes it was very different for high status prisoners It it was more like a situation of house arrest Antonio, as you said, the whole palace is gone now. Yes. Um, the site of the palace is, is, is also on this kind of raised plateau. There are huge, mature trees surrounding us. And then what we do have is this stone plinth, which... It is, is a monument to the palace, I guess. Yeah, it's,
1: the ninth duke placed it there to to kind of indicate where it once stood, um, and it's a beautifully carved piece. It has the, the Marlborough crest on one side. It has the Marlborough motto on the other side, um, and yeah, it's to remind people of the palaces or, or of Blenheim Park's, you know. Ancient. Ancient Ancient Pass. And it it would have only been called Blenheim Park, you know, from the seventeen hundreds. Because, you know, who knew what Blenheim was before then? Um, No, absolutely. You know, so it would have been, as I say, the the ancient Witchwood Forest.
0: And then on the front of it, it's very difficult to read because it's been worn by time and there's lots of lichen, but there is an inscription which reads something (laughs) like we've been trying to decipher this folks. Here stood the Royal House of Woodstock. Uh, finally demolished 1720, this stone erected 1901. So yeah. there you go. The final, final remnant of a glorious and most historic house.
1: You're really sad about it, aren't you?
0: I truly am. Yeah. I. There is so few Tudor palaces left. Of course, yeah. we have Hampton Court, um, but the, that's it we've lost pretty much everything else and um, yeah it's very sad well I think with that I don't want to leave on a sad note no let's just be grateful that we're standing here in this gorgeous parkland and I know there will be loads of people who if they haven't visited Blenheim will want to and I highly encourage you to do so come and enjoy this amazing house and then do remember to walk across the bridge and come and find the plinth that we're standing in now and let your imagination run away with you so before we go, Antonia, I just wanted to ask you—you know—how can people find out about the palace, the events going on here? What, what would you like to tell us about that?
1: Okay, well, I, I think it's definitely worth a visit. Goes without saying, um, and we try very hard to put something different on all the time. So, um, you know, we have various exhibitions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Coming up to Christmas, we've got the most amazing light trail. The palace is going to be decorated um, this year. It's a Nutcracker. Um, theme, so that, will be that'll that be rather gorgeous.
0: Be I guess you need to get your tickets, because those events yes. are very popular, yeah, aren't they? they? Are. So check out the website, yeah. I imagine.
1: So go to blend and check out the website, um, and if you want to follow us, then if you find at com on uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're there. But, you know, do come and see us. One of the things that people you know find fascinating not just the state rooms but we've got a brand new winston churchill exhibition blenheim palace is the birthplace of, of winston course churchill we should,
0: we, we, how could we forget that and of course winston churchill is 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 buried actually very close to here at Blenheim, is. isn't he a little village he indeed. A very insignificant tiny little village yeah. amazing for such a great man but yes we should remember that it's a very historic place from that it point is. of view it is and of course, unfortunately, these days we have to take into consideration COVID. And I yeah. always like to ask, you know, do people need to book? Is it time tickets? What's going on at the moment?
1: So I think at the moment, because things are continually changing, it's always worth checking our website and you'll find the latest um, information there. Or you can email our customer service department at customerservice at com. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much easier than it was. Um, we're no longer you know, in any sort of lockdown, so that's good. But as I say, it's always worth checking. And we do still ask visitors to wear a mask inside. Right. And, and you know, just be aware.
0: Yeah, so bring your mask with you. Yes. But otherwise, just check my website and then come along and enjoy a glorious day out here at Blenheim. Well, thank you so much, Antonio. It's been so lovely to meet you. Thank you for being our guide today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Before we finish the show... Remember, you can support my work via my patron programme where various levels of sponsorship are available, starting at just one dollar a month. Check out all the details of how to become a patron in the link included with this podcast. Oh, and don't forget, you can be part of my closed Facebook group where fellow time travellers like you hang out with me and each other to share some of our favourite things about visiting the UK. From great Tudor places to visit, to the best way to take your cream tea in an afternoon. From the latest travel news, to the traditional Sunday roast. So don't miss out, and you can apply to join by clicking on the link in the description. So now it's back to close the show. Well, that's a massive thank you from me to our guide Antonia for being so hospitable and welcoming us to Blenheim Palace and indeed to all of the staff at Blenheim Palace who will offer you, just as they did with me, a very, very warm welcome. Blenheim Palace is a magnificent place to visit, not just because of the Baroque Palace, but also, as you heard, because of the extensive parkland. It is absolutely fabulous place to go for a walk and it is also dog friendly. So providing your four legged friends are on a lead, you can bring them along for the day out. And don't forget to visit the adjacent village of Woodstock, which I can heartily recommend for a couple of excellent tea rooms. And you know how much I love my tea and cake. Well, with that, my friends, we are drawing towards the end of the show. All that remains, really, is for me to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, of course, I will be back next year with a whole host of new places to visit and new artefacts to talk about. Thank you so much for joining me through 2021. It has been my absolute pleasure to be your guide, and I look forward to seeing you next year. tuning in to today's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show. If you've loved the show please take a moment to subscribe like and rate this podcast so that we can spread the Tudor love. Until next time my friends, all that remains for me to say is happy time (laughs) travelling!